Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Two short little poems written by Dhamma practitioners from the Buddhist time who were not monks or nuns. They were householders, right? They were just householders, just, am I right about Yeah, just regular folks. The, the woman, I believe, was, was a nun. I don't know. That's, that's what I just now, what I was saying, and I was like, wait, was she a nun? But she's talking about her pot and her mm-hmm. her uh, well, husband. Experience of yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and so so even though there's a lot of people here today, um we can sort of take our time with with this one and so if you notice me sort of talking a little more so slowly it's not because i'm trying to fill the time it's really because i want you to like take in the words just have a minute to sort of take absorb um so last class john presented a sutta on the hindrances And these hindrances arise in the mind and pass away on their own without any input from me or from you. And we suffer when we become attached and distracted by those hindrances. They overwhelm the mind. And that's what the Buddha was talking about in that sutta. And that same sutta, the Buddha describes sort of the salve or the remedy from sort of being distracted by the hindrances. He says, in order to abandon the hindrance, develop the four foundations of mindfulness. So when we find ourselves or our our minds overwhelmed by a hindrance, And then we practice the four foundations of mindfulness. We come back to the breath and the body, feelings arising, thoughts arising, and overall mindfulness. Then we experience the hindrance. Let's take ill will, for example. That's one everybody can relate to. One of the hindrances. So, you know, we're we're laying in bed and... All together? No, no, no. By ourselves. (laughs) Great question, John. Thank you for clarifying. Um, (laughs) um, And, you know, we... Yeah, but our mind... Our mind, um, if you guys couldn't hear that, Rom just said, damn hippies. Um, 
our mind just presents us with a little ill will that maybe we we repressed earlier in the day, you know, something somebody said, and now we're getting angry and we're like, you know, you know, I just, I really didn't like how she talked to me. I need to like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to correct her tomorrow. And, and then before you know it, you're having a whole conversation with that person in your mind, you know, at like 11 o'clock at night, you're not thinking about the air conditioner unit. You're not thinking about your 400 count sheets. You're not thinking about your cat snuggling you. You're thinking about this conversation. You're completely overwhelmed by ill will. If you practice the four foundations of mindfulness in that moment and you come back to what it feels like in the body to have ill will, then you come back to what it what it looks like in the mind to have ill will. And that story, that conversation, even the name and the face, kind of the whole fabrication of it just falls away because now you're focused on the feelings and the body, the breath and the body and the thoughts in the body. And so the more we practice this, the more space we put between the hindrance and the experience of the hindrance and me, the story of I, the story of Where did this come from? I need to change this. I have ill will. So now I need to go talk to this person and make them be different so that I don't have to experience ill will ever again. And so when we take the time to, you know, it's not like we're trying to get rid of ill will. It's just that we come back to what it feels like and what it looks like in the mind. That is the practice of putting distance between me and ill will. Then we're not attaching ourselves to it. We're not defining ourselves with it. And we're not sort of encouraging anatta to take over mm. or, or ego to take over. So it has less of a hold on us it's less likely to overwhelm us. So that sort of protect, defend, um, manage my environment, part of the mind becomes smaller, just comes, becomes just part, just an aspect. Jimmy, I think you start seeing it as a fabrication with no substance. Right. right? Yeah. And um, this is freedom. And that's what they're talking about in these poems. So John's words. This poem is from the Taragatha. The Taragatha preserves 264 poems of elder monks and is the eighth section in the Kudaka Nikaya. Well, I guess these are elder monks then. The Kudaka Nikaya is a collection of short texts in mostly verse. The, the Kudaka Nikaya is the last Nikaya or collection of the Pitaka, the second book of the Pali Canon. In this poem, the awakened monk Sumangala, okay, monk, I can't read, concisely describes the quality of an awakened mind through right meditation practiced as part of the Eightfold Path. Freedom, freedom. I am completely free from, from three crooked things. Sickles, shovels, and plows. 
<laughs> Even if they were right here, I would still be free of them. Dujana Sumangala. Always be mindful, Sumangala. Dujana. And then this poem is from the Taragatha. The Taragatha preserves 73 poems of elder nuns. Wow, I'm embarrassed. And is the ninth section of the Kudaka Nikaya. The Kudaka Nikaya is a collection of short texts in verse, mostly verse. The Kudaka Nikaya is the last Nikaya of the Suttapataka, the second book of the Pali Canon. In this poem, the awakened monk Sumangala's mother concisely describes the quality of an awakened mind through right meditation practice as part of the Eightfold Path. So Sumangala's mother, freedom, freedom. I am completely free. Free from my pestle, free from my shameless husband and his sunshade making. Free from my moldy old pot with its water snake smell. Passion, aversion, delusion, I cut with a single chop. I have come to the root of a tree and dujana. What bliss. So that's the end. All of these things, work tools, stinky pots, lazy husbands, that in the past caused the minds of Sumangala and his mother to become overwhelmed by hindrance, no longer causes overwhelm. Nothing changed except their concentration developed through jhana, which gave them the ability to put distance in their own mind between a hindrance and me. Me, like ego. I mean, yeah. So let's go around. Let's go online first. <clears throat> Mary. Hi. Hi. Um, I like this sutta because, um, and I like the way you presented it, and it's very simple, and I think a lot of um, people can understand the simplicity um, of the messaging, and so I think that's nice how things got changed up from time to time to meet the audience at that time, you know, where they were and what what they could comprehend. Um, so it's very helpful and, um, you know, I guess I don't have anything more to say except I enjoyed your presentation of it and I think it's, it's left me with a feeling of, um, you know, like a positive feeling to bring with me as I approach my day. And my weekend today. So thank you. Cool. Thanks, Mary. Jeff. Hi. Hi, Jan. Hi. Hi, everybody. friend. Good to see you. Hey, Jeff. <clears throat> Good to see you too. It's been a little while. Yeah. And I missed you all. Um. No, this is this is timely for me. This uh, I've been a little overwhelmed with uh, work and so forth. It's that I'm in basically construction, and this time of year is when everybody panics and thinks the end of the world's approaching, and they have to get their projects done this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, my circumstances haven't been 
conducive to my normal meditation. So it's been it's been tough. This is a excellent simple reminder on how important simple jhana meditation is. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, and I guess there's one thing that I kind of so jhana practicing jhana meditating developing meditation practice is going to provide you with the concentration so that when the hindrance arises in the mind you're more likely to recall the four foundations of mindfulness so and that's just a natural outgrowth of practicing meditation <clears throat> right brian do i have that right sounds good um i think it's interesting that the mother and the son got out but the husband was just a bum uh, <laughs> and then the 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 analogies that sumangala used the sickles the shovels the plows are all tools of the field the field of karma, the seeds of consciousness, the moisture of craving, right? That put down those burdensome tools and do jhana. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, John. John, right. Brian, look Ooh. at that. <laughs> I'm not that bald yet. I'm not that bald yet. Nobody's that bald. Whew. <laughs> Tracy, hi. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for the teaching. Um, what's interesting about where we're at in our study is um, I think for the first time I'm able to like identify the hindrances, which is something I've never been able to do before. I've really, this whole practice has been a lesson for me in understanding and like, like, basically attaching these feelings to hindrances which I wasn't able to do in my past life and um, what I loved about these poems is it takes that awareness that I'm starting to have about myself and how I react in the world and it like again it's just giving me guidance to make better choices it's very practical um and again, like I wasn't able to do any of that before because I was just like a ball of emotional stuff. And so it's almost like an un unraveling of this yarn ball that I never really saw at all. And now it's like, oh, that's ill will. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so um and it was yep. it was to hear from the perspective of a woman too for the first time in our classes at least in my experience in this class and again it's like this relatedness oh everybody knows that feeling you know and it's like mm -hmm. very useful and uh, again to Mary's point gives me something to take into my day and use mm -hmm. oh good yeah um what's I gonna say Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a, you know, we can think that all of the stuff in our heads is really important and unique 
And then when you're presented with this framework and, and everything can sort of be like put in these sort of categories of like, oh, that's ill will. Oh, that's, um, oh man, sensual desire. Oh, that's, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of another doubt not doubt and uncertainty. Um, I was trying to think of a not hindrance, but I don't know. I just feel like when I can sort of put it in a bucket, then it becomes so much less personal, becomes so much less um, about me and my experience. And it becomes about the human experience and that creates the distance that I'm trying to talk about between, you know, Anita, that me kind of sense and all of the other aspects of mind that I, that I ha am missing and can experience if, if I'm not overwhelmed by, just one aspect and the impersonal nature right that's that distance yes yes, yes, yes. like if you can get if we all can get to a place where instead of valuing everything that's going on in our head or our situation as being so unique and so unique to me and you know special and all these other things and realize that they're absolutely impersonal and just when you think you are, or just when you are consumed by all that is exactly when you need to practice the most. Mm -hmm. Thank right you. On. Cool. All right. So now we'll go around the room, see if I can do this. -na -na. Let's see. Well, oh yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you, John. No. I'd rather not. Ah, <laughs> uh, too late. You are definitely on camera right now. So let's hear from you, John. <laughs> uh, first, again, Jen, that was just an excellent um, teaching and also connecting it um, so nicely to the hindrances. That's really the whole point. And these two classes together um, are also the point. It is only these hindrances that we're working with. And there's nothing special about any of them. Yeah. They're common human hindrances. If you got a human life and you don't understand four noble truths, guess what? Your mm -hmm. life is ruled by these hindrances until we find out that we're in complete control of them. We can do anything we want with them. But like you said, it's best just to let them be. Take a breath and let them be. And you might do it three or four or five times regarding, say, ill will. Mm -hmm. But the sixth time, it's likely going to be gone. And once it's gone, as it, as the sutta before this said, the Avarana sutta, once the hindrance is completely gone, it's gone for good. And that's not my words. That's Siddhartha's words. So we can kind of go by it. But it's really true. We're not, we like to think, I like to think I'm such a complicated and deep person. And, <clears throat> you know, that my mind is worse or harder than others because it's my mind, but it's not. All of our minds are supple and pure. All we have to do is realize it. 
Mm. These two sages point to it. We get rid of the, the crooked things in our life. We get rid of the smelly bowls and <laughs> uh, the lazy husband, <laughs> our wives. And really what they're talking about, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we should stop not be in relationships, but what they're talking about is to not be distracted by them. Mm. So mm. I'm sure assuming Gala's mom, I don't know, but it, she didn't say I left the old bum behind. She just said I recognized him for what he was. Mm-hmm. We allow the human beings to be other be as they are because we understand our own. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't expect somebody to be different just because I'm so wonderful now. Where does that leave me? Right. You know, just as miserable as I ever was. So I, I honestly don't care about you in that sense. But we also learn to care deeply about other human beings because we understand them. We know what they're going through. And that goes a long way to stopping our hatred of anybody. You know, it, it just works that way. We recognize the fabrication. Once a fabrication is seen as it really is without substance, it's gone. It can't affect our lives. Well, I think even like ill will is something that no one wants to have ill will, especially against the people they care about. I mean, that isn't that. Yeah, but we still. Hold on to it, and it causes us to suffer. Justify it. (laughs) Right. That smelly old husband wasn't that way. Right. Then I'd feel better. But freedom, freedom is not running away from any of the hindrances. The hindrances are essentially the second arrow. Yes. (laughs) It's the understanding that it's not personal. And that's the insights that the John meditation will allow you to start putting that Duke is associated with something that is not permanent, so therefore it can't be a self. And that's the hindrances. You don't have to take it personal. It's a second arrow that you choose to be bothered by the smelly husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to replace whatever. Yeah. And this gives you the, but this gives you sort of the framework to, on how to let go of those hindrances. And it gives you the license too. We, we right, so right. That we think we should protect our mind just because they're all mine. Right. It's the cause of all that trouble. Yeah. This is, this is a Siddhartha from 2,600 years ago saying, you know, look at this stuff. You don't need to live your life like that. You can live it free and liberated with pure mind. Yep. David, you got anything else since we're over here? The camera? Okay. (laughs) Bridget? Thank you. Yeah. I think that uh, I'm realizing that I have a kind of area where uh, I'm sure drama is going to be the way to Mm. get there. But I think that uh, in terms of like practical application, you know, I feel like, you know, like you guys were saying, like the most challenging times are when it's those relationships or situations that are really close to you. Yeah. Um, and I feel like maybe you can conceptually like not take it personally. But then there's like the practical application 
that like when you're in an interpersonal relationship, that other person does affect you mm -hmm. or your household, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, family or whatever <clears throat> part of it. And I think it's developing. Maybe I don't know what it looks like because I'm not quite there in my practice yet, but developing that deep concentration to have the level of skillfulness mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of in your mind be not taking it personally, but also able to, you know, function in the household in a way that's beneficial. Like I'm thinking particularly yeah. like as a parent. Yes. If you're caring for an older parent or, you know, situations yeah. like mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. where you have to do something yeah, just be like, oh, well, it is how it is. Like, I'll just, like, you know, I'll take a person with me and have a cup of coffee. Like, if, if that person might be causing something, you know, sure. in your life, that you have to skillfully do something about. Mm -hmm. And, I don't know, I guess I'm just thinking that uh, that poses, a, you know, a challenge. No, but we're not, yeah, we're, we're not... Not taking something personal doesn't put you in a in a in a loof position because as you as you the more you develop the Dhamma, the more compassion you'll have for an older parent or maybe just a just a smelly old spouse. And you'll understand that. And so there, you you won't have that greed and aversion of what we're dealing with, and you won't have that aversion and you'll just be present for the smelly old spouse or the, the sick parent and there'll be true compassion there because you're not long you're no longer seeing a burden at all there and you know you can i think if you are you know i think our tendency is to try to see what it would look like if i approach my life differently and that can be a distraction too, even within the practice. So as you experience, again, like stress has a feeling. It has a, turn this around for a sec. Sorry, guys. Stress has a, bodily signal it has a signal you your mind when you're taking something personally when a hindrance has arisen when you're clinging and craving when you're not in right view you can feel it and this practice helps you if you start to feel it and the minute that you feel it is when you practice the four foundations of mindfulness. And that is, it's that. I could be having an argument with you and also recognize the feelings, the thoughts, the breath, and the overall mindfulness in my, my head in this moment. I can, you can do that. It's an opportunity. Yeah. It's an opportunity, like, if you have a hundred of these situations, this practice allows you to have an opportunity to cut that down to two where you 
are going to say, I, I failed at this. This practice, <laughs> this practice is not good for this situation. Yeah. But uh, I'll take that on. Yeah, yeah, I'll take yeah. The 98 times that I see the opportunity and I show wise restraint because of this practice. Mm. That's what this is. This isn't a perfect. Oh, right, right. Um, but I do. Never be ill will again. Right, 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 right. I, but I do think that there's like a, you know, I, I guess for me, I understand the, you know, that challenging interpersonal time when it feels like it's impossible to practice the Dhamma Yes, because I have, I have it in my head that I have to be calm and at peace to, in order to practice. And there's, and that's the, that's yeah. Right. And that's, what's wrong. That's not true. You don't have to be calm and at peace. You can be angry as hell and still have wise restraint and still know how your body's feeling, know how your mind is feeling and know that you're taking something personally. And that gives you so much more skill in a situation to be able to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, wife. I can't do this right now. I have to step away. I've got, I've got too much rage. I'm going to go for a walk. We're gonna, I'm going to come back. We're going to talk about this. We're going to work this out. Or, or you lose it. And you, and that's another choice. Because you have the, you have the programming to be the kind of protective mother that you need to be in any situation. You don't always need to have, you know, calm and peace to do that. But this, this, it, this Dom is in you. It's with you. And all you have to do is come back to how you're feeling. And then the words will come. That's just like, to me, it's always, I mean, sometimes it's just silence. I'm just sitting there looking at whoever it is in my immediate vicinity that is, you know, part of the story of ill will. <laughs> and it's always something, someone that I care deeply about. And your practice also shows and, up in, in the amount of time that it takes for you, you know, it, once you're in like full rage or you know, right. pretty seriously pissed off, <laughs> um, that you're not carrying it through the whole night and right. the next day right. and, and, you know, and keep falling on this stuff, you know, the nagging. Um, it, you know, it it goes away. You know, it just you see that how how these in, these hindrances have their impermanence as well. Mm. The time it takes for you to like for me, it was like years and years and years and years and years and years that I'd be angry at a person, and now right. it's you know, and it's I, it's you know, look yeah. around you, it's that's normal. Yeah, you know, why do we do that? Why do we create hindrances? Because we create them. They're not there, you know. We're not well maybe we're born with hindrances, but we, we, we why are we attached we, to hindrances? They, because they we feel at some point we need them to give us strength in the moment. Right. I need to feel this rage because I'm not strong enough to come up against you. Yeah. Or I doubt 
that I can do this or I do that. So this is what we're talking, and we're really getting to the point, you know, that this is what we're supposed to be talking about with these suttas. And Dhamma is practiced at the point of contact. Mm-hmm. In our minds, we think, well, you know, at work, man, not Dhamma practice at work. It doesn't really fit there. Or with my family, mm-hmm. nah, you know, Dhamma is when I'm walking on a on a nice path or, you know, next to a mountain stream. No. At the point of contact, when, when rage is overcome, it seems like it's overcome. It's just like you described. Breath. You know, do you really want to be that kind of person? No. I mean, I, I was born, like, like I always said, I was I was born a doctor slapped my butt to get me going and I punched him. You know? <laughs> John, that's a flat out lie. But I illustrates the point even further. <laughs> until I came to the Dhamma. Literally. It was a full rage until I started not taking things personally. And I can see, you know, not that how just not that I'm a fool or just a human being, but how foolish it is to hold ill will about anybody, right. especially myself. Or why should I be doubtful about this moment? I don't I don't need to explain myself or just justify myself. And not in an arrogant way. I'm here. This is what's going on in my yeah. life. And other people are struggling. I I know what that's all about because I sure struggle too. We all did. We all know what dukkha is. We all know what these hindrances are. And we all know what liberation and freedom is because we feel it on our cushion. We mentioned spaciousness a few times, Janet. We feel that spaciousness in our mind and the spaciousness in an immediate certain situation. And I can wait a minute. I can just step back a little bit and you know, let that person have their space and do what they gotta do. And I had a I have three brothers left in my family, and they're all um one's older, two are younger, but they're all about the same age. And they're in uh I don't know how to describe them without it sounding awful. They've yet to get their lives together. And every now and then, one of my brothers will call me up drunk and start yelling at me about something that happened when we were kids. And I listen and listen and listen. They'll always say the same thing. So what do you have to say about it? Nothing, Jim. Nothing. I said, if I can ever help you get through this. No, you got to okay but i mean it's not happy until i lose it but he can no longer get me to lose it and you know so i just listen to him i feel sorry for him but i also know there's nothing i can do for him so but i understand the nature of the suffering you know Mm -hmm. i was drunk every day in my life until i wasn't so i understand where that's coming from we're just human beings you know, we're not doing anything special but living a human life. But if you can live that human life and be present for it, every moment is special. Even a moment that you overcome ill will, you know, that's a very mm-hmm. special moment. Don't be afraid of hindrances. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, Cody? Um, 
what were, what were the first words, the first couple lines of that poem? Yeah. Freedom, freedom. There's um, two poems. So the first one was Freedom, Freedom, I am completely free from crooked things, sickles, shovels, and plows. I think that made you laugh. Even if they were right here, I would still be free of them. Dujana Sumangala, always be mindful, always mindful, Sumangala Dujana. And then the second one was freedom, freedom. I am completely free, free from my pestle, free from my shameless husband and his sunshade making, free from my moldy old pot and its water snake smell, passion, aversion, delusion. I cut with a single chop. I have come to the root of a tree in Dujana. What bliss. Why does that make me laugh? <laughs> <laughs> Um, because it's so simple because it's, it's so the, the setup is so serious what a bold statement yeah i'm completely free um and you're expecting i'm free from you know all of the dramatic and serious and personal stuff that we always talk about no, it's free from chores <laughs> mm -hmm. But what is it? I mean, what is it? It's it's it is it is all. It's if we can if we can be equanimous, mm -hmm. if we can let people exist in their own space and not not need to take that on and internalize their problems and make their problems our problems, mm -hmm. and make their suffering our suffering. And, and it is funny, <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's, it's, it's difficult and we struggle, but the solution, like you said, is just, it's that quick and it's all, you don't have to do anything. Mm. I've been struggling to confront, um, that alcoholic that lives in my backyard. Mm. for years and I keep thinking or I keep without even realizing it without even really understanding what I was doing I keep thinking that if I can just get through to him uh. if I could just make him understand if I could just say the right words or um, communicate in the right way that I could give him this realization that I've had. Mm. Um, and what I'm coming to understand um, is that it's not about me. It's not about my solution, my spirituality, my ideals, my values, because that's what I'm defending. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's an image of yourself that you're defending. It's not right. something that's based in reality. Um, I'm still going to struggle with this. It's not gone. Uh, but the hindrance could be gone. Mm. I can't get rid of the alcoholic in my backyard. She needs that stinky pot. She's got to cook more snake, I guess. <laughs> um she hasn't taken the pot out back in the backyard and smashed it to pieces, and now she's free, right? <laughs> um, 
But what um, what is so difficult about dealing with children or dealing with alcoholics or dealing <clears throat> with aging parents or dealing with ignorance is um, the compulsion to fix it. Mm. And I'm not fixing it for them. I'm fixing it so I can feel better. Yep. My son is out of control. He's a nut. But he's five. <laughs> like he's learning how to live this life. Why would he be sane? <laughs> In what world? Like it's not a sane world. He's not done cooking yet. Why would he have it all figured out? <clears throat> but I get so upset. I don't know. Um, when the focus is on when I'm if I'm sitting there and I'm having a serious talk with him after he's had time out and I'm very upset and I'm trying to get through to him in his five-year-old little brain <laughs> then it's um that's about me mm -hmm. it's about what I want him to understand mm -hmm. it's not about him and where he's at and what he's going through and his development and um, if I'm free from the hindrances and I'm free from ill will and I'm sitting there having a conversation with anybody about anything, then I can laugh yeah. and I can have joy yeah. and they can be exactly who they are without me having to fix them. Um, I'm not there. Like, I'm not, mm. that's not my life. But I'd like it to be. But you see it. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps. So. I mean, I just want to say that everything you just explained is a recognition and an abandonment that is Dhamma practice. I mean, the fact that you can see that you're making it about yourself, that's, that's the Eightfold Path at work. And you don't, it's working. It's working. Um, there's something that you said. Yeah, I mean, I just, that's it. Like, to me, you know, that it's it's in you and you're in the stream. Just keep going. And this is where yeah. gentleness comes in. Yeah. We need to be very gentle with ourselves instead of judging ourselves harshly for having hindrances. You know, stuff. Nothing to them. They're all fabrications. Yeah. As you're learning, you know, it can become more difficult because you start judging yourself again. Yes. Oh, I, this is not uh, just the practice isn't working. I'm not getting this, right. even though I know it's right. So it should be working. But it's just, again, deepening your, your meditation and 
understanding the you know core foundations and getting those insights and that's the insights that will be the really the final thing where you start seeing it sticking yeah yeah remind yourself that when these things come up that Sometimes when I teach the hindrances, I'll teach the Avarana Sutta and the Bahia Sutta because the Bahia Sutta is where Bahia learns that this is not me, this is not mine, this is not what I am. So even in those situations where you might have been trying yourself screaming at somebody, and at any point you can say, wait a minute, that's not me, it's not what I am, it's just a fabrication. And it is, you know, is that you? No, of course it's not you. What what you are is a, is a reference point to what's occurring, like any human with a pure mind would be, or a awakened human being. But that's where you're going. It's a, yeah. Where we call it a practice. There's <laughs> almost like a <clears throat> in the Course in Miracles, there's a line, and not, this has anything to do with it, but some of it, it says that this, this is a period of undoing. Yeah, and, and especially in the beginning of practice, but really throughout practice, we're undoing what this fabricated mind. But this mind is we clung it together form, feeling, perceptions, mental fabrications, consciousness. It's all stuck together. It's our job to kind of see where it comes apart and gently take it apart and leave with what we don't need. Yeah. What's left is. An awake and fully mature human being that's now ready to live their life no matter what happens. And also, you know, we live our lives in a very gentle way. You know, I mentioned my brother, I didn't have to yell and scream to get him off the phone. I said, Good night, Chuck. What else can I do? And I think all of us are talking about the habit of mind of moving into fix change solve manage my environment so that i can feel better yeah and that's what you were talking about with your neighbor with your kid and that you see you see that in your own mind and you you know and the, the more you see it and the more you move away from it the smaller and smaller and smaller it's going to get that's just Part of the practice mm -hmm. dr kevin how's it going yeah, nice to see you good. here um thanks for teaching <clears throat> this great discussion it's just amazing how it comes out of this little little tiny poem yeah i was gonna be a quick class what tracy said you know that all the emotions i think that's kind of all we're talking about and um you know, I still have that, or I have it again. You know, I think for a while in my practice, I thought the emotions were really diminishing, and my calm was, you know, ever increasing. And um, I don't know what it is. I hung up my stethoscope. I smashed my EMR. My electronic <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> but I, I, um, you know. I think I've just been developing different and new attachments. Mm. And, um, it's difficult to get there, but if we continue the practice, if we keep putting yeah. it on the, then it, it can, we can find that calm again. We can 
become free eventually. Yeah. Thank you. Laura. Well, thank you, Jen. And thank you, John, for putting these poems on the website. I like how we heard uh, a poem by Sumangala, the monk, or he became a monk. Yeah. You know, from the Terragatha, and then you paired it with his mother, you know, a, a woman. And it's great, Jen, how you, and David, too, how you mentioned this, like the hindrances, and then you were talking about the hindrances as well, and to keep that in mind as we're reading these poems. And I took some time last night to really read through them. And although they are short, mm. you realize just how relevant they are. Yeah. Like, even though these are from, what, 2,500 years ago or whatever, yeah. like, the shameless husband, like mm. the smell of the moldy pot or whatever. And then um, if you read some of the other ones too that John posted, I mean, there's one about the Molly, I think, is it? She's like a former prostitute. And then there's, so there's all these relevant, like they're so relevant mm. to our present day. And I really resonated with what they were saying because it was such a vivid, honest, like confession of their hindrances mm. you know and that it seems simple oh do jhana at the end but really that at least in my practice i'm realizing that truly is kind of the answer i mean you always say kind of go back to your breath in the body mm. i was reading through some of them last night and even the other one that john posted on sona um, she was a mother of 10. She says, mm -hmm. I gain the liberation of unity with my body. Like I gain the liberation mm. of unity with my body. Yeah. And it's like, so what they're talking about, I feel like in all of these, I mean, some of them brought me to tears when I was reading them. So they're not just like these silly little poems. They're so profound. And I just love how everyone here today was really talking about like, their own hindrances and then it made me realize yeah hindrances in my own life how do I drop that or let go of my persona that I'm like trying to hold up you know in my daily life mm. and just <clears throat> be you know honest with my hindrances and understand them so cool yeah I appreciate what is that line again the freedom of unite unity with my body Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was from yeah. yeah. So I gained the liberation mm. of unity with my body. Yeah. But That's yeah, great. I mean, they're just so honest about their hindrances. Like the Mali or Vimala says, um, you know, I was intoxicated by my beauty and uh um uh what does she say? Intoxicated by my beauty and kind of this obsession she has with youth. But then, you know, what we were reading today about Sumangala's mother, um, my shameless husband, like, yeah. him, like, it's, like, so relevant, you mm. know, to today. So, thank you for Thanks. talking about this. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Lauren. Um, thank you so much, Jen. This is great. And um, I love the discussion. And I'm so happy to be back. Yay. Um, it's been a long time. So happy to be here. Um, like you never left, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, 
It's brought up a lot for me. Um, the first is I love that they all start the same freedom, freedom, freedom. Mm. I'm finally free. I think we should all write our own. Yeah. And it could be like a party game. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love that. Um, the simplicity, but the profundity in the simplicity just really struck me and how it really expresses these individual reference points that each person brings to the human experience. I thought that was so beautiful and so just well expressed in these little baby poems. Um, something else this made me think of was um, I've heard of the separation between your experience and your reaction to the experience as pretending like you live in the back you're sitting in the back seat of a theater of a movie mm -hmm. theater and watching your life on the screen and you're you're just watching it yeah. like watching it happen you don't need to engage with the actors on the screen you're just like wow this is happening how interesting um and you can kind of observe the emotions that it brings up but from a little bit of a distance having that spaciousness in between yourself and what's happening um but for me the struggle's always been finding that line between complacency and engagement like mm -hmm. when is the time yeah. when you choose to like all right now I have to like actually engage with this I think I that's just, what Bridget was yeah uh, talking exactly about too like, yeah it's um, yeah you know like maybe it's time to divorce your lazy husband or <laughs> put down your sickle and go get a different job yeah. you know like when mm -hmm. is that point and I'm sure it's different for everyone but um that is just something that I strive to figure out, you know, and hopefully Jana and this practice can help, you know, mm -hmm. illuminate where mm -hmm. that line is. Yeah, mm -hmm. even with really, I mean, we, we joke about it a little bit, it's thinking all husband, what serious decisions, a well-concentrated mind is just going to make a better decision. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, mean, I like to think of uh, that way. this conversation with this five-year-old. You're both going to have that conversation. Mm. It's just going to, you're less part of it. You're going to give that same advice. He still needs to learn the same yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. But you don't go into it with like that stress attachment. Yeah. yeah. It's the same conversation. It's the same wise advice or poor advice. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but more likely you'll have a clarity of, oh, maybe I, what I'm imparting was based on this thing I was bringing to it. Right. So it's mm -hmm. the same conversation with this five-year-old boy that needs that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you disengage and go, yeah, go feral. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and also if you're if you're learning, if, if you're learning how to interrupt your your kind of bad habits, mm -hmm. um, I don't want to call it wrong views when it comes to engaging with your loved ones. You know, you stop enabling you start setting a better example of what their what what is going to be a healthy nourishing existence for them that is far more powerful than any conversation yes you stop being a savior because you realize that there's nothing to save you're not saving yourself doing this you're just becoming a human being you let go the idea that we're here to save anything, which we're not, and you stop trying to save your children. And that and that's that leads to um a well-intentioned but 
an it can be an overbearing kind of yeah way. You know, we've all experienced that. You know, my, my my parents loved me. I know they did, but there was times when they drove me nuts. Until my father, he he drove me nuts. He looked for he lived to one hundred and one, so he drove me nuts for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, we always did, but that's just that relationship. You know? But we're not here to save anybody. We're here to be uh, models to our children, and if we're well concentrated and mature we're going to be much better models to our children you know the kids learn mostly by how we act don't they yeah from i feel like you talked i feel like but i don't know that i officially called on you did i talk yet yeah you did <laughs> <laughs> i was like yeah yeah you're good yeah <laughs> Tied these these poems to the hindrances. That was really helpful for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that was John's idea. And uh, <laughs> you know, and both these poems just describe um, domestic situations, mm -hmm. which is pretty much all of life. Then, mm -hmm. um, what happened last night with you? Pardon? What happened last night with you? Well, exactly. Domestic <laughs> life, you know, and, and, and this is where it happens. Yeah. You know, this is where the hindrances really come up. Domestic life, your family, you know, you know, some at work, you know, but you know, nothing gets you gets you more than than family. Hey, mom and dad, or your sibling, and yeah. then your and then your own family. Yeah. Um, and yeah, last night, sure enough, there it was, <laughs> and uh, but you know, it was. 10 minutes and it was over. And so they're, 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 a good practice takes just takes that it starts by taking off that all that lingering stuff. That yeah. You don't see, you know. Once you see it, it's already gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you may have to apologize for something. But uh, yeah, there is a good practice. You, know? you get mad, you know, that was the Cut me a little piece of paper. <laughs> and then they weren't good enough. You know. They weren't good enough. Yeah, you know, nice and out. Yeah. I let it go. That's great. Yeah, I'm done here. You quickly returned to a pure and calm mind because well, you established it. Yeah, more or less. Or, or it's a good instruction. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, uh, as we always say, this is where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, you know? it's, 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 it's in, in, this is this is life when it's when it's nice and close to you, mm. you know? and that you're in, in your, you can't really step back anymore. <laughs> it's in your face. Um, well, that's wonderful. <laughs> but thank you, Rom. You just reminded me of a. I know it's like late, but. You guys reminded me of uh, my evening yesterday with my husband where I I uh, put in, I had a super busy week. I like to go pick out my groceries because, you know, I need to get a specific kind of coconut milk and nobody else knows exactly how to find that coconut milk. Also, the cans of that particular company are always dented. So I make sure that I examine the, the can before I put it in my basket. 
well, I didn't have time this week to actually go shopping. So I put it in, I, you know, I did a, like an online order and I put a comment in that said, could you please just make sure that the cans aren't dented? And and I'm not there yet. Um, so on my way home, I was planning on, I scheduled to pick it up on my way home from work and I got into my car and there was crazy flooding everywhere. I don't know if you guys know that. So I was going to like me not hit my window. And I called my husband just to let him know I was going to be a little late. And he was like, well, let me go pick up the groceries. Let me just go. I'll just go pick up the groceries. And I was like, really don't want to let you do that because I don't think you're going to be able to do it correctly you're not going to examine all the all of them before you put them in the bags and you don't have the right kind of bags to get them in the car and and I was like okay okay yeah you can pick up the groceries that's fine and I got off the phone with him and then I sent him a text and I was just like you know what can you just make sure that when they put those coconut milks in the into the bags that they're not dented because that's like, you know, my little pet peeve. And he was like, yeah, sure, babe, no problem. And then I got home and I unpacked the groceries and one of the coconut milk cans was, I mean, it was like, they clearly picked, they clear, there's John, there's no way they didn't pick a dented can on purpose. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. It couldn't possibly be that they were just too re busy to read the comments. They, they definitely were trying to make me mad. <laughs> yeah, they probably threw it on the ground. Yeah. So when I got home and I pulled that dented can out of the bag, it was the end of the world. It was the end of the world. I was, I literally picked it up like this and I walked up to my husband and I was like, seriously? I think I actually <laughs> felt the universe. <laughs> I was doing something different. Then I was mad about it for another 30 minutes. Thank goodness my husband has the best sense of humor. So he, he just keeps hammering me with jokes. And he was like, why didn't you just throw in the tub? He's like, I don't know why you're showing it to me. It's completely garbage. I'm going to get in the car right now and go fix it. <laughs> and it was just, you know, but I really feel like I feel like if I didn't have this practice, I would not have even mentioned it to him. I just would have stabbed him in his sleep. I, <laughs> I just would have been like, you know what? It's not a big deal. It's just coconut milk. And and then it would have just been like another thing that I added to like the heap of little tiny things that my husband does wrong, you know, or whatever. Um, so back to your point of comedy. You can oh, laugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can laugh. <laughs> right. You went and did too. Didn't do that. I'm packing my groceries, man. <laughs> oh, but like, yeah, I mean, really, seriously, sometimes it is just getting mad or, you know, whatever. I don't know. I just feel like it. Confession stuff. Anyway. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I mean, so, so <laughs> that's a great idea. I might actually do that for him. I'm gonna, it's fantastic. Thanks, no, everybody, for listening. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carnia Medicina. You guys are the best. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my mayhem. <laughs>
This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, they are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, freed from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, and having completed the path, they do not give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Thanks, everybody, for a great class. <laughs> Sorry, I got so late. Thanks, Jen. Have a good weekend, everyone. Right, have a good weekend. Everybody. Oh, got late. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.